Hey everyone, Future Mateo here with a quick update regarding this episode of the Hub World Podcast. This episode was recorded prior to the release of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, so that's why it will not be mentioned. We all love that game, and I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about when it comes time to discuss that game. With that being said, keep that in mind, and sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's class will have us covering our top 10 favorite games. My name is Jules, and today our party members are... Mateo. And Gino. Whether you're joining our adventure from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, be sure to like and subscribe. Now, let's get this intro rolling. Our top 10... Yeah, it's been it's been quite a while. Um, there's probably a lot of housekeeping we can do, but um, we'll save that for another time. I think we're just going to kind of get into things. But what we do want to tell you about is, so we're doing top 10 favorite games. Now, that doesn't mean the Hub World's top 10 favorite games. That means we're each sharing our top 10 favorite games. Like, one person will share their entire list, then the next person, um, and then the next person. Um, so you get a bit of a taste of what everybody's styles are like. Um, all of those lists will be accompanied by some explanations as to why they were put there. Um, and we'll have up to three honorable mentions that you can mention prior to um, starting at your number 10 if you would like to mention some of the games that were just very close to making the list. Um, now, we want to reiterate, these are our opinions. Um, this has nothing to do with quantifying game quality. This has everything to do with what we love. Um, so we hope you enjoy and maybe get exposed to some games that maybe you've never tried. However, don't battle us on our own opinions. But do tell us your opinions. We'd love to hear what your top 10 favorite games are in the comments. We're allowed to be as spiteful and unreasonable as we want with these. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I guess with that being said, I will start things off. So I do want to start things off with a little bit of an honorable mentions, uh, just because there are a bunch of games that I'm just currently sinking my teeth into right now, and I'm kind of playing them all at the same time. And they're big ones. So I'm just in the last few hours of Persona 5 Royal right now. I'm thoroughly enjoying that. And we were when we were originally talking about this list, it, I hadn't started it yet. So I made my list, quantified everything, got everything down. But now I'm like, oh, crap, this is probably up there. But I'll put it as an honorable mention. And I'm also playing Elden Ring for the first time also. And I'm having so much fun with it. And I traditionally do not like Souls games. And I'm just having fun exploring the world. I finally understand what I'm supposed to do combat-wise. And it's just I wanted to name those two as my current like favorite games that I'm playing right now. Uh, so for me, starting off at number 10, I am a big fan of 4E games. That being said, I've also been a big fan of the Sid Meier's Civilization series, probably since I want to say Civilization 3. And it's just a type of game that I enjoy, just sitting down, relaxing, and in my own words, enter the time machine. So I will start off at 4000 BC, I will sit for more hours than I would like to admit to myself at uh, for one session, and I'll finish an entire game of Civ. Uh, I'm not very good at it, um, I don't play at any like crazy high difficulties, but I do like the idea of like, okay, you're kind of this governing force over a civilization as you guide them through 
through history. Uh, you can choose to be a cultural sieve, a scientific sieve, or a warmonger. And there's different types of victories uh, and lots of really fun things and shenanigans you can get involved in with civilization. So right now, the current one is Civ 6, so that's my current favorite one. Next up, I have God of War 2018, and this is a series that I really enjoyed just immersing myself in. Before the game came out in 2018, I actually went and bought every single God of War game that I could get for the PS3. So both of the collections and the PSP collections. And I played through all of them chronologically from God of War 1 through to God of War 3, including the PSP games. And I also went out and started reading actual Norse uh, mythology books. Actually, I think Neil Gaiman came out with a book and uh, just before the game came out in 2018. And I started reading that, and so I would be familiar with some of the the gods and characters that we would eventually come to uh, get to know, because I didn't want the only experience of Norse mythology that I had to be from Thor. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Marvel's uh, interpretation is very different. Yeah. Gameplay's great, music's great. That's all I'll say on that. I just wanted to share my little story with that. And I, like the reason why I like this game so much is because I really just got into it, and I was kind of just like enveloped by the the Norse storytelling. And I even like went mm-hmm. out and read some book from 1969 about Norse poetry, and it was all in like their characters. And I'm like, I have no idea how to read this academic paper, but there's more stuff here, and that was cool. See what I'm liking the trend of your game so far have like the last two that you've mentioned have been like historical based yeah and that that like does remind me a lot of you and i could see how there's appeal from both those games toward the type of person and gamer you are exactly and i i do like games that have like a sense of story or a sense of purpose so this is why i'm putting destiny 2 next on the list oh my god (laughs) jewel thank you for the very nice compliment there and then i just completely throw a wrench into things with space wizards and i'm leaving (laughs) (laughs) i didn't agree to this top 10 list where destiny was going to be mentioned at all i'm legitimately surprised you you included destiny but honestly i've thoroughly been enjoying the past few years of destiny like mateo and i we've We've been playing the game with like Riley and Joe and a few of our other friends since the game first came out. The, the storytelling that they do with the seasonal model, yeah, it's not the greatest and it's very like time-gated, but that's what I mean by it's not the greatest. But like when, because when we're actually experiencing the story, it's one of those things like you'd log, like you log in, you do your mission. It takes about half hour or so. So it's kind of just like sitting down and watching an episode of your favorite show. Bungie's done a really good job compared to what they've done traditionally in the first game where all the lore wasn't in the actual game itself and you had to like go to a website and read a card off of that. But like now you're getting all of these weekly missions and stuff. You get to interact with characters. They're meaningful. They have interactions. This is, of course, excluding the Lightfall campaign because that had a lot of story problems. But like the seasonal stuff that we've had uh, for the past, I want to say like five, six weeks of this current season has been really good. And all of the Witch Queen storytelling and all of their seasonal stories have been really good too. So like Bungie's writers for the most part know what they're doing. It's just Lightfall is a little bit of a stumble, but I know that they'll be able to pick it up and bring us back in with their seasonal story because that's really where their strong suit is. They're telling a story over the years and this is what their eighth or ninth year of doing this. And the past five have been pretty solid, in my opinion. So that was kind of like my ongoing game. And next I have, at my number seven, I have the Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
I, I put this one here just because, again, I'm a big kind of like story game nut. And I don't know, just the way that that game looks, the way that it plays, I prefer it to the original because I never really completed the original one. I, like, I know the, the some of the story beats and everything of the original game. I tried going back, I think, on three separate occasions. And I want to say, like, I'd get to, like, almost the end of the Midgar arc. And then that's when I would just lose interest and stop playing. And that's exactly where this game finished. <laughs> so I was like, perfect. I can continue my streak of finishing Final Fantasy VII in the same spot. But <laughs> all seriousness aside, though, I've I've had a lot of fun with it. The music has been absolutely fantastic. Gameplay is great. Controls are tight. It plays more like a Kingdom Hearts game. And I really like the way the Kingdom Hearts plays. Uh, next up, number six, I have Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Mm. I am a Gen 2 Pokemon fan. This uh, Gen 2 of Pokemon was the best Pokemon in my opinion, and this is the best way to play the best game. What you got with gold, the original Gold and Silver was two full, essentially, Pokemon games in one. Or you had the normal Pokemon game, and then you also had a hard mode, which was the, the Kanto region. And you could continue using the same party. The, the gyms in the second half of the game were way harder, and it all culminates with an epic showdown with red at the top of of mount silver and like just thinking about that like the the hair on my arm just kind of stuck uh, stuck up just a little bit just because it was such an epic way to end the game mm -hmm. he's using pikachu has all the starters and the the epic boss music in that is oh it was just absolutely perfect your pokemon and everything can follow you around the enhanced sprite art and the redone music and if you're feeling nostalgic they give you the the original game boy musics and all that kind of stuff in there too it was just it it just won on so many different occasions and heart gold soul silver is the best and not for anything just nothing pokemon the pokemon company can do besides making like a fully actualized 3d remake of heart gold soul silver would be the only way to would would that would be the perfect Pokemon game in my opinion? I'm shocked by this list so far. Yeah, it's, I have a little bit of everything. Still reeling from number seven. <laughs> I'm not going to dabble too much with my reasoning until I've like completely finished the list. So next up, number five, I have Halo Three, another Bungie game. In my opinion, their their best shooter, just because of its simplicity. And of of course, Halo Three is very much a product of its time. Halo Three is is the game that we all played after school together and this is was really like the foundations of like the hub world as a friend group if you really think about it we'd all get home after school we'd go we'd go log into halo we'd all play all these stupid little maps and challenges riley was all like oh mlg maps only on guardian with nothing but brs and we all just got better together and had a lot of fun and it's kind of like xbox party chat was our discord 15 ish years ago 2008 2000 yeah, yeah 2008 all of those memories were from halo 3 and we would have all these really fun game modes. We had the Duck Hunt. We had Sky Castle. We had the... Um, we play a lot of infection mm -hmm. maps, kind of like... that were like variants of like tag and things like that. And it was just... It was just good fun. And Halo 3 was just one of those things. The campaign mode itself also presented a great challenge. There was tons of little secrets and things. Collecting all the skulls. Trying to find the recon armor in the game. Uh, getting the flaming helmets and things like that. Bungie had a lot of love and care in this game. And it was back in the days where the game was Halo, not like Call of Duty or Fortnite or anything like that. And I'm not trying to like bash on those newer games, but it's just that was kind of like our generation's version of those modern titles. So like I have to have it on there. What I find very interesting about your list so far, is there's a lot of modern-ish games. Yep. 
Well, we're gonna we're gonna throw it old school here because at number four I have Ocarina of Time. Oh. And this was I've said it multiple <laughs> I'm times. Like, I love Ocarina. <laughs> yeah, so Ocarina of Time was the game that like really cemented my friendship with Adriano and was like really the first game that like I really got into and like inspired me to like start drawing and writing ideas and stuff. Like I never ended up like doing anything with that, but like this is it was the pivotal game probably of my like young gamer career. I will call it. Adriano for our grade six geometry project made a scale model of Clocktown using folding paper shapes. So we had like cubes oh and rectangles God. and pyramids and octagons and like cones and things. And like, yeah, it, we made an entire thing. And like, we were only supposed to use a little bit of the resources that our teacher provided us, but we ended up using like three times as much because we were just having fun and our teacher let us kind of just go with it. The Legend of Zelda series is like, something that really was important to me as a kid just the the sheer story scale and like i didn't realize that like a video game could tell such a story and like back in the n64 days like hyrule field was exciting it was like going around and like saving the day running around this fully actualized 3d world was something really really special like yeah we look back at hyrule field now where it's like oh this is just barren wasteland but that's just because we're looking at it with a modern lens and not from like what it was at the time and what it represented and look where we've come since then look at breath of the wild look at what we're going to be getting with tears of the kingdom when that comes out all of these 3d zelda games had ocarina of time there to kind of set the stage for it and experiencing it at the time was something that was also very very special so now we're at my top three i got a question for you gino yes how many crafts are in your top three uh, i have two crafts that was my guess there are two crafts in my top three, and the number three comes to World of Warcraft. No. Yep. My criteria for my top three was, what are the three games that I always come back to and can always have fun? And do they have crafts in their names? No, that was just, that's uh, that's more of like a secondary kind of thing. So World of Warcraft. <laughs> I'm excited to hear in this top three, Sonic 06. I'll just say that. that. That's never going to happen. You hear that on Jules' list. No, Sonic 06 is going to be all 10 choices. Anyway, so World of Warcraft, number three for me. I have a bit of a story with this one, because I really didn't know about World of Warcraft until the, the episode of South Park came out. And ever since that episode of South Park, I'm like, I need to find this game, and I need to play it. And it's always been a bit of a running joke. Whenever I'm playing WoW with some of my friends, I'll always pretend to be Randy, and I'm yelling, Nelson! Nelson, I need your computer! I need to play World of Warcraft! Little in-jokes and memes and things like Leroy Jenkins. That was like one of the first like viral like memes on the internet. Like everyone and their mother knew the like knew about Leroy Jenkins just like like how people know about the Rickroll. It's like that status of legendary. And then you had like the Onyxia raid wipe mechanic like the guy saying like left side now handle it. And then getting really angry and yelling. There's so many happy memories associated with that. Yes, okay, the game might not be in like the best state. But the developers have always found a way to like kind of like turn things around. I want to say because like Dragonflight right now for World of Warcraft, I played pretty heavily for the first month or so that it came out. And I've always played Weather Wow expansions for like the first month and a bit. And it's always fun just seeing like people going in and experiencing the the raid and stuff. I've never really been like a hardcore raider in World of Warcraft, but I do the world content. I dabble in PvP a little bit just so I can like get my gear up so I can attempt the normal mode raid 
within the first week or so and make maybe down a boss or two. Like I am very much casual in the sense of like what I do in game, but I consider myself a hardcore fan because even when I'm not playing World of Warcraft or my my sub isn't running, I'm not playing the game, but I am in still involved. I am in the know of what's happening, what are the characters doing, what mechanics are they doing. So if I ever do decide to pay my subscription and pop back in, I know exactly what I have to do, where to go to get my gear, to get caught up and jump in at the current content. I'm constantly in the know with that game. And that's something that I can actually say that I don't think really anyone else here with a live service-y kind of game or like a subscription base. Because like, that's what an MMO is, right? And it's it's World of Warcraft is always something very, very special for me. Like Justin and I actually got to go to BlizzCon before the pandemic. And it was like the last big trip we did. And you guys came along also because we turned our BlizzCon trip into Disney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. World of Warcraft is something special. Next up, number two on my list, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Skyrim is a game that I've played multiple times across as many devices as I possibly could and have sunk multiple hours and in different play styles. My first playthrough of it was on the Xbox 360. I was a Nord warrior decked out in heavy plate and I ran around with a mace. That was really fun. My second playthrough, I played as a Dark Elf. I was a, I started off by doing archery and then realized Dark Elves aren't good at that, so I switched over to Conjuring, and I became a thief. And I could I can name off multiple, multiple, multiple different characters and my backstories and stuff for all of this. And my love of the Elder Scrolls really kind of stems from, like, this is essentially World of Warcraft, but it's a single-player game. You can run around, you quest, you're thrown into this game where you can make your own character you make your own rules and you can choose what to do um there's a bunch of different paths you can be a mage you can be a thief you can be a warrior and you can be a murderer you could be a saint and the the expansions and the dlcs really helped out with that and i feel like they really expanded the world and now that we're how many years later with skyrim for smartphone and smart switch and smart fridge and all the other different devices we're like almost ready to talk about elder scrolls 6 once starfall eventually comes out but the elder scrolls is one of those uh, types of games where like i've played that game i want to say like for a good few thousand hours and i've enjoyed every moment of it it's just great i and i've even bought it like seven times too so because like i even have the vr one booted it up and i was pretending to be emperor palpatine it's great i also had a character named palpatine i'm guessing like went full-on mage and just a lightning magic unlimited power the meme and lastly my all-time favorite game it is a craft the best craft the best craft steve from mine is in there it is minecraft this is a game that i've been playing on and off and I'm currently playing right now in a modded, like like in modded. I had a Let's Play of it a little while ago where I was playing with Adriano and Sarah and like a few other folks. But Minecraft is one of those games where it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's incredibly simple. The music is great. The vibes are good. I can sit down, play the game, listen to a podcast and just get lost in it and have so much fun. Even just the simple act of like 
building an iron farm or having an unlimited uh, villager labor force where you keep them in little holes and they and you feed them bread and they give you money. It might be a little cramped and mean, but hey, it's optimized gameplay. You know, you got to build your farms, <laughs> you got to build them better. And it's a multi-generational thing because like I initially was the target audience for this game. I was in grade 10 when it first came out and it's it's been fun. And in the many years that it's been out, I've taught people the basics of like computer coding using Minecraft as just like a way to explain how commands and things like that work. I've used it to help better my own knowledge of like 3D geometry and explaining like, oh, okay, X, Y, Z direction thinking and making castles and art and things like that in the 3D space. So like I have a lot of attachment to this game and it is something that I can always just turn on, have fun and do something different every single time. Kind of like how you can in Skyrim, just the only limit to Minecraft is what's in your own imagination. And I have a big one. Do you know, that was a very well-spoken ending. You do have a very big imagination in Minecraft. Mm -hmm. When we were planning this out, I'm like, Gino definitely has Minecraft as his number one. If there was a Gino game, it would be Minecraft. Like that is, it suits you so well. I don't play Minecraft the way you do. I'm a very casual player. I'll hop in every once in a while. I do the same thing and get my fix and I get out. But the way you optimize Minecraft and the way you have a like such a grasp on every single mechanic of that game whether it's redstone or i guess red it's basically redstone because like adriano calls you the redstone master i i am so incredibly dumb when it comes to that kind of stuff i'm constantly watching videos like okay how do i do this and there's people like making flying machines and rocket ships and using there's like all these new like i am redstone from like Bef- like just after the pistons came out but that's our era of minecraft though but yeah it's not on my list personally but there's something very zen about playing minecraft like you can get into that state where you just want to relax i kind of have that with power wash sim but you got that with minecraft you know and uh, it it's really important i think to have those types of games honestly a lot of the games on my list are very much like that like think about it Destiny, except for like the end game rating content, like when you're just running around leveling up, uh, World of Warcraft, same thing. You can kind of just go at your own pace, do your own stuff. Skyrim, definitely. Minecraft, definitely. And even in Elden Ring to a certain extent too, you can just like run around and explore and just get lost in that kind of like big world. That's kind of like my jam. Jules, I I do have to apologize for the lack of Kingdom Hearts, but that's why I have Final Fantasy VII on there. I'm actually so surprised that Final Fantasy VII is on your list. It's still very, very surprising to me. I feel like the story of Final Fantasy VII is a lot more timeless than, than the one in Kingdom Hearts. Don't get me wrong. I hold it in a very, very high regard, but the reason why I had to give it to Final Fantasy VII is because I feel like Final Fantasy VII itself is a lot more timeless and the remake actually let me almost relive growing up that I missed out on so it gave me a chance to kind of like reconnect with that as mm-hmm. well as like the combat of seven remake i feel is better than what kingdom hearts did yeah no that's totally fair well thank you gino for a really great list well i'll get started with some um honorable mentions my three honorable mentions were selected for a very specific reason and the first two that i'm going to share with you there the reason i'm mentioning them now is because they were once staples of the top 10 games that if I considered my top 10 games, but they have since as my gaming journey has developed fallen out, but I still want to mention them. 
Um, and then the third one that I'll mention is something that I considered adding and ultimately didn't, but that's okay. So this honorable mention general is a big cop out because it's not really just one game. It's multiple games, but a recent release allows for me to just bundle those games together. But my first honorable mention is the Mass Effect Legendary Collection. And that is because I love the Mass Effect trilogy. I actually owned it first as Mass Effect trilogy. I never owned it as individual games. I never played it as individual games. I only ever played them as a trilogy. Um, so it's very difficult for me to separate them as experiences because I did play them like back to back. And I do love all of them for various reasons. I think these are the best Western RPG, in my opinion. Um, I love RPGs, as you've heard on the podcast before. I'm more of a JRPG person, but Mass Effect scratches that itch. I just love the dialogue trees. I'm not a big shooter person, but for some reason, I like the shooting element of it. Both the first games, like very like super RPG heavy, like non-actiony gameplay, where it's very just like put the best things into the gun and just shoot once and then you win and it's like i like that gameplay but i also like two and three where the gameplay is a lot more action oriented and more like a shooter um even though it still has rpg elements like i just think the story is incredible i think the amount of very like variables within the story is incredible like i've played through the games five times all five of my playthroughs have been so unique the characters the cast of characters throughout the series are so well done and the way that they develop depending on your choices like truly like bioware's epitome of peak bioware like peak bioware yeah i'm very excited for mass effect 4 although it probably won't live up to the expectations but that's okay i i love mass effect legendary edition um my second honorable mention is one that i it was my number 10 and then i dropped it because i'm like i just don't love it the way i did but I still love it. It still holds a place in my heart. And that's Assassin's Creed 2. Dang. Yeah. I was once the Assassin's Creed kid who ran around in hoods and pretended I had a hidden blade. It's okay, Jules. I actually went out and bought the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood hidden blade. <laughs> I know you did. I platinumed all the early games. I was a big, big fan. I've dropped off the series so hard. Like, the series has disappeared so hard from my life. That even though I still believe Assassin's Creed 2 to be a masterpiece of a game, it's damaged my relationship with it enough to pull it out of my top 10 games, but not enough for me to not still mention it and say, like, I love Assassin's Creed 2, love the Italian Renaissance setting. I've played through that game like 10 times, like three of those 10 times I played through it in fully in Italian. I love the setting. I love the world. I love the characters. I love the gameplay. It truly is like, what I would want from like an action stealth game where I can be stealthy if I want, but I don't have to be. That's the kind of game I like. Run in swords blazing. Yeah. It's like run in, try to assassinate them. But when they see you just pull out the best weapon you got and stab them. That's peak Assassin's Creed. I'm really hoping you can uh, hop back into Assassin's Creed so I can have someone I can uh, talk to about it with like Assassin's Creed Mirage. Hopefully is the game that can get you back in. Cause it's going to be a lot like, in Brotherhood, so I will probably play that one. Anyway, frick, I forgot to include an Assassin's Creed game on my honorable mentions, Jules. Now that you mention it, Origins was so good. It's all right. My last honorable mention, and I'm not going to say much about this one. This one was so close to making the list, and it's still too new for me. I, it is, as strange as this is going to sound, it's too new for me to put it in. Sonic 06? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that's on the list, you know. Yeah, that's on that the, is list. the list. 
that the list is Sonic 06. No, my last honorable mention is actually Breath of the Wild. And even though the game is now six years old and the sequel is coming out in a month as of this recording, I still feel like it's too fresh. And I still I still feel like the novelty of that game hasn't worn off enough for me to not only compare it to other Zelda games, but just compare it to games in general. And I really struggled with should I put it on here? And I ultimately said no. But I wanted to mention it because it's it's always up there. I still think it's arguably one of the greatest games of all time and one of my favorite games of all time. But it's not quite in that top 10 right now because I'm still struggling with how new it, of an experience it feels like to me. I, I think that's also because I've only really played it twice. And the second time I played it, even though it was a couple years later, still felt like too fresh to have a new experience so i'm still waiting to have like a new experience with it i think before i can really be like yeah i like this is one of my favorite games because it's such a big game that it's hard to go back to and justify playing through it again if i could add on to this jules i've kind of had that like breath of the wild kind of fatigue when the game came out because i I tried playing it on hard mode and doing all that kind of stuff but because i went and did a full-on like complete like 100% run the first time through I was burnt out because I did everything the first time through so nothing really seemed new and fresh that was my hard thing too is because I played on master mode with the DLC and then I played tried to play through it again but it's hard to re-experience it because at both times I replayed it I just kind of did I didn't do all the shrines I just kind of like did enough to get my health and then did the the main story scenario so I'm still waiting to have another experience before I can put in my top 10 that being said, I should move on to the top 10. I was actually very surprised when I developed this, the games that came into my mind, and there's probably some that will surprise you and others that won't, but that's okay. Number 10, this is a game that took me by storm, and literally, I play it, I would say, multiple times a year, and it encompassed like a good five, six years of my life of just kind of like going back, playing it, playing new content from it, going back, playing the old content, playing it with people, other people, introducing people to it, watching people play it. Like, the amount of people I have dated that I've played the multiplayer with for this game, because every time I dated somebody new, I'd be like, hey, let's play this game together, because I love it so much. And that's Shovel Knight. I love Shovel Knight. I didn't jump into Shovel Knight until maybe, like, three to six months after it first released, I missed the kickstarting and I wish I had backed it as a kickstarter because I wish my name was on the legacy of this game. But I love Shovel Knight. I play the main campaign, like I said, a couple times a year. I go back and I play the other campaigns. Like, that's the thing is Shovel Knight in itself, like before they added all the other stuff, was already such a great game. But all the campaigns they've added are all so great. There's so much good, like amazing content. There's so much replay value. The multiplayer is fantastic. I haven't had this kind of experience with a game for a long time. There's one other game on this list that's like this game in the sense that like I go back and play it multiple times a year. The music is incredible. I love the pixel art. I love the characters. I love the vibe. It feels like a classic game but it doesn't have that like age on it. It doesn't have that jank, right? It's not the jank. I think it's more like the tough thing about going back and playing games from the like era that Shovel Knight's trying to emulate is that that you can feel the age in the sense that the difficulty is like contrived or like artificial. It's like there to like 
force you to have to like restart the whole game so that like they could get their money's worth and stuff whereas like this this has all the quality of life of like a modern game but the like sheer like difficulty and like charm of like a game from the snes era and that's what i love about it easy to play but difficult to master yes exactly and there's lots in there for you if you want to master it there's super bosses um, there's harder modes, and some of the yeah. like newer campaigns are tough. Like I love how they expanded upon the game, and it's just, yeah, I I love Shovel Knight. How would you rank the Trouble King as an NPC? He's a he's quite a good NPC. <laughs> he's my favorite character in that game. I I know. I honestly did not know that about you about uh, about Shovel Knight. Like I knew you loved it, but I didn't know you played it multiple times. Yeah, I played it all the time. Like whenever I get bored, and I'm like, what game can I play? Uh, Shovel Knight's one I land on a lot. This next game is a game that I've I ha- I've not played as many times as I've played Shovel Knight, but it's a game that the second I finished it, I was like, this is one of the greatest games of all time, and I will never stop saying it, and I still believe it. I actually debated which one of these games to put on the list, because I could have put any of them, but I ended up going for the classic, because the classic is what I still feel is the best full package, and that's just Xenoblade Chronicles. Like I said before, I'm a big RPG person. JRPGs, I've played dozens and dozens, maybe even a hundred of them. And the modern era, I feel, was really struggling with JRPGs, with Final Fantasy going more action and, you know, like the the 360 PS3 era didn't have a lot of good JRPGs. Um, A lot of things were middling. There was definitely a lack of them. But Xenoblade Chronicles is a masterpiece. Like, everything about that game is incredible. I remember when I read that it was 100 hours, I was like, who who could possibly spend 100 hours on a game? And then I spent 100 hours on the, on the game, and I understood why. Boy, were you wrong. Yep. Yeah. The only other games I've experienced that same feeling in, like, recent time, other than Breath of the Wild, but that's Zelda. Like, it's similar to how I felt when I finished Persona 5. And it's similar to how I felt when I finished Dragon Quest XI, where I was like, wow, these were incredible experiences. However, Xenoblade Chronicles is above both of those. Xenoblade Chronicles is incredible. The story is super epic. It has a lot to say. And I just love the characters. I still love the characters. And even though on any given day I might tell you Xenoblade 2 is the better Xenoblade game or Xenoblade 3 is the better Xenoblade game, I think all of that is rooted in how good of an experience I had with the first one. And I can never replicate that feeling I had, like going into this game that I really didn't know much about was really like kind of off put by the gameplay at first and been like, "Uh, this doesn't seem that interesting. And then just like investing a hundred hours into it, loving the characters, loving the gameplay, spending hours and hours and hours grinding, just like, going through the roller coaster of a narrative that it has it's it's an incredible game recommend it to anybody definitive edition or original they're both great just don't get the new 3ds version okay number eight now this game is on this list for a very similar reason to shovel knight because it is a game that i go back and i play all the time however i would say i play this game twice as much as i play shovel knight this is the game I go to. If I'm bored, I'm like, I don't have anything to play. What do I play? This is the game. And I don't know why, but I just adore this game in every capacity. And that is Sonic Mania. When Sonic Mania came out, I played through it six times. That's how much I liked it. Like, literally back to back six times. 
and then they dropped Sonic Mania Plus, and I played it back to back like five more times. And now, like every year when I'm bored, I'm like, I'm gonna do a playthrough of Sonic Mania, and I pop in, pick a character, play through it, and I I constantly do that, and I enjoy it every single time I play it. And I think the reason it sticks with me so much is because I'm a big Sonic fan, but I was raised on the two or sorry the 3D era, not the 2D era, and I actually didn't like the 2D games that much. I never really understood them. I never really liked them. And then Sonic Mania came out, and I got addicted and I, I understood why people liked sega better than nintendo i don't think it but i understood it and now it's my favorite 2d kind of game and it's the one i will always go back and play incredible music incredible gameplay um and it's made me like sonic one two three and knuckles and the fact that it's fan made too like sega yeah. actually like listened to the fans and they allowed them to essentially make the game even like the music too, like like every aspect of the game is is fan made. That makes it really, really, really special. And mm-hmm. they knew what other fans wanted, and they made that game. It's honestly shocking that Sega hasn't gotten back and made a sequel to Mania or like another new 2D Sonic game made by fans because of how successful Mania was. Not only was it successful on like a in a sales standpoint, but it's arguably the best. 2d sonic game ever made and i just can't wrap my mind around that like that they still haven't greenlit a project or it hasn't been announced yet because like sonic media came out in what like 2017 2018 like they've had more than enough time to make one they could have done it and like they did such a nice job with the the animations and things like that as well that like it was such a great love letter to sonic fans made by sonic fans that like they gotta make another one maybe but I don't know if they could ever top Sonic Mania unless they do what I talked about in a previous podcast where we talked about Sonic games with a Sonic Mania 2. But I'll leave it at that. But yeah, such a good game. Now, number seven. I, I think this one will be a little surprising, but I do think it's one of my favorite games. I've played it three times. I will go on a limb and say that I think this is easily the game I had the most fun with as a single player experience on this list and probably ever and that's spider-man the playstation spider-man i said it from the moment it came out and i will continue to say it i know it's not popular to say this but i think that game is the best superhero game ever created i don't think it's even a competition like i love the arkham games but spider-man is so much better to me and it all comes from that fun factor i did literally every single thing you could possibly do in that game and i had fun and i was so broken when it was done like it was just like i i didn't know what to do anymore because i i poured so much time into it and i just wanted there to be more and i remember spending like even hours just swinging because just fun it's just a fun game the combat is super fluid it's super like like there's so many possible ways you could approach combat it feels like you're spider-man like that's what i love about it is like spider-man is this fun character who just like like i I guess like he's he's my superhero he's the one i've always wanted to be the one i've always wanted to experience and this game like really makes you feel like you're spider-man and on top of that it has an incredible narrative like the in my opinion the best spider-man story i've ever engaged with it's just very like the peter parker is interpreted very very well the story is very heartfelt, very real, while somehow balancing like seriousness and 
wackiness. And I like I'm super pumped for the sequel this year as a result. But I, I think it's yeah, it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's a very good choice. I had to represent Sony somehow. Now, number six is an overlap with Gino's list. Ooh, is it World of Warcraft? It's actually Destiny. Dang. I think you placed this at number six as well. Pokemon Heart Gold. I'm just going to copy and paste what Gino said. I am a Gen 2 Pokemon player. Gen 2 is my favorite. I was raised, like, even though I was raised on the Gen 1 anime, Gen 2 was my first Pokemon generation. I still remember. I broke my leg. I was in preschool. My mom says, oh, I'll go talk to Santa at the at the mall and see if he'll give you your Christmas gift early so that you have something to do while you're at home. And then she came home with a Game Boy Color with Pokemon Gold, and I was so excited. And I played it like crazy, and the amount of times I probably played that game is, in like, I can't even count. And then Pokemon Heart Gold is just the perfect remake of it. It's during the, I think, the peak generation of Pokemon, Gen 4, where Pokemon was still... Before it got wacky. Not before it got wacky, but I think, like, mechanically, it was just very... Like, it hadn't... Yeah, it hadn't gone too far yet. It was still very grounded. It was still the Pokemon we know from our our youth without going too far. And then it was remade in that generation. The art style and the graphics just, like, really suited it. You know, it had some cool stuff from Gen 4 in there that they added. And just, yeah, I don't know. I, I That's all I can really say is just... I think Pokemon Heart, Gold, Soul Silver are the best Pokemon games, and... I couldn't have this list without my favorite Pokemon games. Number five, what I would consider to be the most essential JRPG of all time, which is Chrono Trigger. I first played Chrono Trigger on Nintendo DS. I remember reading a lot about Chrono Trigger. I remember really wanting to play Chrono Trigger. And then I remember it came out for DS and I pre-ordered it on DS. And I was blown away. The music, the art style, the the narrative. It was an epic. That's what it felt like. It felt like I was experiencing this epic story that felt very like reminiscent of like like the animes of my youth blended with the like grand heroic tales of my like later childhood or like young adulthood like Lord of the Rings or like like the Harry Potters and stuff like that. Like it it felt like a blend of that. And it was one of the first proper JRPGs I played as well. So there was an element of like, this was my first, like a lot of people, Final Fantasy VII would have been their first or Final Fantasy VI or Dragon Quest or whatever it was, but mine was Chrono Trigger. And I'm really happy because it set a very big precedent for what I should um, look for in JRPGs moving forward. And I still use it as the, the kind of bar when I play an RPG and it's made me appreciate a lot of other RPGs especially ones that are inspired by it. Like Xenoblade Chronicles is made by a lot of the same staff that created Chrono Trigger. And I could see that. And that's part of the reason why I love Xenoblade. Like when I play Dragon Quest, I could see a lot of the inspiration from like the art styles and just like a lot of the like Japanese kind of anime tropes. Well, it is the same artist. Akira Toriyama did both. Yeah, I know. And then, and then like even Final Fantasy, I see how Final Fantasy takes inspiration. I see how Octopath takes inspiration from it. Like, there, there's a lot of Chrono Trigger as a framework for a lot of modern RPGs. And like even that that game that's coming out this year, um, Sea of Stars, which I backed on Kickstarter, is very heavily inspired by Chrono Trigger. So I, I just feel like Chrono Trigger for me is very much a blueprint. It's what I look to when I look at the genre that I love. And it will always, for me, be that blueprint. I, I think it's like 
for me, it's like I can recognize it has been surpassed and it it's going to be surpassed. But I, I see it as like it, it it is the grandfather of a lot of this in the same way that I think a lot of people view like Ocarina of Time or Mario 64 in that way. I think the game that I hold as like my Ocarina of Time or Mario 64 is Chrono Trigger because of the genre that I'm interested in. Number four is a multiplayer game because everybody needs a multiplayer game in their favorite games. Yep. And there's no multiplayer experience that is better than Super Smash Bros. And there's no Super Smash Bros. that is better than Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, and even though it is relatively new, I and I, I will die on this hill there, you could never convince me that it is not the best Smash Bros. game by a literal, like, light year. If you don't think it's the best, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. It is the peak of everything. And super, And that's the thing is, the reason I put it at number four is because my top three games have been solidified and have remained the same for many, many years. And I haven't been able to breach it with anything. Smash came close, but it is number four because Smash to me is an experience. It's an experience I share with my friends. It's an experience I share with strangers. It's also a culture. Like, that's the thing. And I'm not talking about competitive culture. I'm talking about, like, when I think of Smash Ultimate and the reason I love Smash Ultimate is I'm thinking about those hype cycles as well. Like, it's not just about, it's not just about, like, playing the game. It's experiencing the game. It's experiencing those DLC lead-ups to who are they going to add, how is it going to alter the game. And, like, and I look at Smash Ultimate and I'm like, everything I ever wanted was added in Smash Ultimate. Since, like, Melee, I was asking for things. And I never got what I wanted in Smash, but I still stuck by the series and I still loved it. And then like Smash Ultimate just decided to give me literally everything I've been asking for. And that's why for me, it feels like I don't even care if they never make another Smash Bros. game because there's nothing they can give me. There's literally not one. Like if they made another Smash Bros. game, I wouldn't even be able to get excited for what could be added because everything I wanted was added in this game. You know what Smash Ultimate also has? Minecraft. Exactly. And Banjo. Yep. And Final Fantasy. It's the great unifier. I mean, and also, when you look back at my list, where we're at now, um, there's representation from almost my entire list in Super Smash Bros. The only ones being Spider-Man and Chrono Trigger that aren't represented, but that's okay. Um, But yeah, Smash Ultimate is the peak of multiplayer games, and I could not not put a Super Smash Bros. game on this list with how much I enjoy and play Super Smash Bros., and especially this one. It is the Smash Bros. Now, my top three. This one has never changed in the last, I want to say, 12, 13 years. Has not changed. The last time it changed was when I was 16. And it hasn't changed since. The order of these three games changes constantly. But these are my top three. This time, I'm feeling number three is Kingdom Hearts 2. Kingdom Hearts defines my teenage years. I would, did not have a Sony console growing up. I was always interested in Kingdom Hearts. I saw the commercials and was always like, this looks really cool. I'm a Disney fan. I, I want to play these games. Um, but I never had the means to. And then I was bought, or, or I think I bought it because Joe helped me buy it. I bought something that allowed me to emulate DS games on my DS. Like an R4 <laughs> card. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like an R4 card. So you did everything a reasonable teenager would do with a lack of money. Yeah, and so I decided when I got that, one of the first games I decided to play, I was like, 
oh, hey, there's a Kingdom Hearts game on DS. I want to try this game. And, I mean, in hindsight, Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days is one of the worst Kingdom Hearts games. But I loved it. Wait, that was your first one? That was my first Kingdom Hearts game, and I adored it. I did not know that. Yeah. I thought it was like Kingdom Hearts 1 or 2, dude. No, that's why I'm such a Roxas fan, because to me... I played Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 being like, oh, hey, that's the kid that Roxas returned to. Sora is not the main character in my head. In my head, Roxas is the main character. Sora was a context to Roxas for me. This makes way more sense now. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) But I played 358 over two days. No wonder you were talking about the cat. (laughs) Yeah, I loved it so much that I bought a PlayStation 2 just to play Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Kingdom Hearts 1 I really like, but Kingdom Hearts 2 I loved. And there's a lot of reasons why I love Kingdom Hearts 2. Many of them would be, you know, the gameplay's tighter, it's more evolved. Um, It's more like what I'd want out of a JRPG where, like, the characters are super edgy and, like, the lore is super out there. And, like, that's what really, like, pulls me from Kingdom Hearts. But, like, even going back to, like, the beginning, like, if 358 over two days was my first game and that lore was what I'm invested in, Kingdom Hearts 2 was, like, the missing piece of that story that I never had. So it became one of my favorite games. It still is one of my favorite games. Despite how much I like Kingdom Hearts 3, despite how much I like Kingdom Hearts 1 and Birth by Sleep and all the other ones, I've never, even though I've been a big advocate for all the games, because I believe every game in the series is pretty strong, I've never once said Kingdom Hearts 2 was not my favorite. And it it is my favorite Kingdom Hearts game, and it's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I think it will always be one of my top three favorite games of all time. It's a weird game, because it's a game that's from my childhood that is representative of my childhood, yet I wasn't a child when I played it. I was a teenager. And I don't think there's any other games from my teenage years that define me to my core as much as like the Nintendo games of my youth. Kingdom Hearts is like the only series that breached that and like somehow became one of my favorite games of all time. Gorsh. Number two is The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Sometimes this is number one, sometimes it's number three, but it's always in my top three. I'm feeling this number two right now. I know you're number one now. <laughs> I'm a Zelda person. I own everything Zelda. Zelda had to be on this list. I believe Twilight Princess is the... Actually, that's not true. Because we talked about this during the Zelda tier list, which y'all can go watch if you'd like. I don't necessarily believe Twilight Princess is the best Zelda game, but I think it's the best Zelda game for me. And I think very similarly to Kingdom Hearts 2 and Smash Ultimate, part of the reason I love Twilight Princess is because of the experience. Because for me, I got into Zelda around the time that Wind Waker was releasing. It hadn't released yet, but it was releasing. That's when I started playing them, but I wasn't really a big fan until after it had released. So Twilight Princess was the first Zelda game I got to be excited about and like look forward to. And at the time, Ocarina of Time was like, it was the first Zelda game I played. As a result, it was my favorite. However, I really liked Majora's Mask as well, and I liked the dark tones. So Twilight Princess just looked like the best thing ever. And then when I played it, it was the best thing ever. And... Still to this day, it's the game that I can go back and play whenever I want. I think I've played it like 13 times, maybe more. I I love this game. It's fantastic. I know every nook and cranny of that world. I've done everything you can in that world. I love the music. I love the tone. I love the wolf gameplay, despite it being divisive. And Midna is the best supporting character in Zelda. I would have to agree with that. Midna is one of my favorites. 
Yeah. And then number one, which recently became my number one again after replaying it, and I was reminded how much I love the game, is Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Yep. Paper Mario is perfect. Well, Paper Mario historically was perfect. (laughs) Thank you for the clarification. (laughs) The first Paper Mario game was perfection to me. It was my favorite game of like all time at the time it came out. And it was my favorite game of all time until Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door came out. And then I was like, this is my favorite game of all time now. Because I love Paper Mario. I think it really... like Because I love RPGs. And that was like, as a kid, that's kind of what got me into RPGs. Other than Pokemon, really loved Paper Mario. Loved the characters. It made me appreciate Mario. Like, I like Mario, but the characters don't connect for me because they don't have depth. But Paper Mario gave them depth. A lot of what I associate with Mario and Bowser and Peach and Luigi when I play Mario games is their personalities from Paper Mario. And Thousand Year Door builds on that in an insane way. And the gameplay is so tight. It's so perfect. It's just, it's my favorite game of all time. I have to agree with that. Honestly, Jules, I do the exact same thing. A lot of the characterization I I give to those characters is because of the Paper Mario series. And for a lot of people, it was the first time that they had personalities. So yeah, that's my top 10 list. It's wonky. It's full of bias, mostly RPGs. It's very Jules. Solid. Okay, Mateo, it's your turn. Well, before I give you the actual top 10, I got three honorable mentions here. Uh, They're not in any particular order, but a few of these games actually have been mentioned. I'll do the ones that have been mentioned first. Like Jules, uh, he had Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild in his honorable mentions, and I also have that in mind. For very similar reasons, I've only played the game once, and that one experience I had was so good that I just... I'm afraid to go back to the game and really get concrete opinions of it. I've wanted to play it before Tears of the Kingdom uh, Tears of the Kingdom comes out and I but I just haven't and I don't know if I will get to that, but that one experience was just so fantastic and I just it's like I have this experience with Pixar movies like with Wall-E and Up like that first viewing was so amazing. I'm afraid to go back and like sully that impression I had. And like I did everything in Breath of the Wild the first time, and I don't think I'll ever do that again. So for better or for worse, it's an amazing game. It should be on my top 10 greatest games of all time list. But this is favorite games and all the games that I have on my list, I've played multiple times. So for that reason alone, I I, I couldn't include it yet. If I do play it another time, honestly, it probably would be on the list. So anyways, and another honorable mention i have is paper mario the thousand year door it was very 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 close to being on the list like i had like 25 games written down where i just i saw it it was insane it was like charlie and it's always sunny in philadelphia where like i had a wall and i was like what the heck am i doing i look crazy while i was making this list it was it was quite the process but it just missed it by a hair it's the the height of mario rpgs Honestly, one of the greatest RPGs I've ever played, period. The writing's phenomenal. The gameplay is fantastic. I really wish Paper Mario went back to this formula because it's never been better. I want to play it again with upgrade cable so I can have better visual fidelity when I play the game. I think that would really sway me into including it onto my list next time around. But the final game I have on my honorable mentions is Fire Emblem Awakening what I refer to as the greatest impulse buy I've ever made in my life. Back in 2013, when this game came out, it was impossible to find everywhere. 
but I randomly went into a used game store and there it was in front of me for regular price. And I bought it at the time just because I knew it was hard to find and I might not find it again. And did you buy it new? I bought it brand new at regular price when it came out or like a week after it came out at like the small game store that for whatever reason, no one saw in the cabinet. Like I'm like, this is here. Wow. I'm buying this. I bought it on the spot. I played it and it just started this love of fire emblem that I have to this day. Like awakening story is fantastic. The characters are fantastic. Like I know hardcore fire emblem fans don't look at awakening the same way like yes it's the game that saved the series but they also view it as the game that kind of muddied things a bit because of the relationship building and things like that but that's the reason why i got into the game and that core element of fire emblem is the thing that sort of really jump-started my my love of the series and like pairing characters together and and like i just i just love that added level of strategy into the game i'm a huge fan of tactical rpgs now because of this game i could have put any fire emblem game in my top three in this spot awakening is my favorite but it could have easily have been three houses it could have been fire emblem on game boy advance like there's so many good fire emblem games i just felt like i needed to mention the series and i just love the little story bit that like if it wasn't for me going to that store on a whim i would never have had this relationship with the series that I do now. So, but yeah, those are my three honorable mentions. And now for my top 10, number 10 is a game that I knew had to be on this list. I'm a massive DC fan, a massive Batman fan. And what I think is not only the greatest Batman game ever made, but it's the greatest superhero game ever made. Batman Arkham City. This was one of my most anticipated games ever. I remember Gino and I going to Best Buy because they had the specific DLC that I wanted, which was the Nightwing DLC. We came home, and that intro is just such an amazing intro to the game where, like, Bruce Wayne is escaping jail, and, like, you have to work your way to the rooftop, and Alfred drops the uh, the Batsuit down, and you gear up as Batman, and you open out into this massive Gotham City, which is, like, still is an amazing open world. The voice acting in this game is top-notch with Kevin Conroy, God rest his soul, and Mark Hamill. These guys are my voices of Batman and Joker. I've watched all of their work. Animated shows, animated movies, other games. Like, when I read comics, they are the voices that I hear in my head. And they had their best performance, in my opinion, in Batman Arkham City. And just the way the game is written, like it would seem almost overwhelming knowing that all these characters appear in this game, but the way the plot is weaved and how these villains fit so well together, and then also other villains appear in side quests and things like that. It's just, it's the ultimate Batman story. And the gameplay is so improved over Arkham Asylum. And Arkham Knight did like the Donkey Kong 64 sort of thing where like it, it really just, it went too far with a lot of the things that made this game so great. And I just feel like the traversal, having the grapnel boost and, and all of that just made this game so amazing. The Riddler quests are so good and the, all the Easter eggs in Arkham games and being a huge DC fan, I was able to see things, not just that references to Batman, but also to a greater DC universe that could pay off now with Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League being part of this universe. Like maybe some of the stuff will come to fruition in, in the future. So like it's the ultimate superhero game 
for my money. And this is one of the games I always have the itch to go back and play. It's just that good. As for my number nine, I have my favorite RPG of all time. Even though this is not my favorite generation of Pokemon, I can say this is the greatest Pokemon game ever made. Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Hell yeah. Triple threat. Pokemon Silver was my very first Pokemon game. I take credit for that. Like, Gino hogged Pokemon Red so much that we actually went to a pawn shop of all places and got Pokemon Silver for myself. My save file got corrupted, and I, I played through that game, and again, like, it was nothing. Like, nothing had happened to me. It's that good. Like, the fact that the Kanto and Johto regions are both in this game, and they're both explorable, is amazing. Like, I don't think there has been a Pokemon game with as much substantial content as there has been in in Gen 2. And like I'm a Gen 3 guy because I, I love the, the music and the Pokemon designs. And I like the Hoenn region. But in terms of content, difficulty, just a complete package. I think nothing beats Gen 2. And HeartGold and SoulSilver are the best versions of that game. Pokemon's never been as good as the Gen 4 era. Like that was the last time I watched the anime, played the games, and was interested in the, the TCG all at the same time. Like, that was the, the, the last hurrah for Pokemon in its entirety for me. And Soul Silver, I didn't buy it when it came out. I got it soon, like a year or two after it came out, around 2013-ish. I knew when I had the disposable income, that was the first game I was going to buy, and I bought it. And having the Poco Walker was so cool. While I was at school, walking around, I had the Poco Walker hatching eggs, training my Pokemon. Like that was so cool. Having like the Tomagachi um, element to it as well. Having the Pokemon follow behind you was the coolest thing. And they finally brought it back in Pokemon Let's Go. Like it was such a cool feature and and just it's not only the best pokemon game i want to say it's like also one of the best remakes ever made and it didn't need to do much because this, its foundation was so solid so as my number nine i had to go with pokemon heart gold and soul silver i flirted with putting it higher in the list but there's another tier of games above batman and heart gold and soul silver so as my number eight this was the gateway for me this game was the gateway for me in the world beyond Nintendo. And it's Halo 3. Halo 3 was Gino and I's first Xbox 360 game. It was more than just a game, to be honest with you. It was a social hub because we would honestly just even sit in the Halo lobby and just talk an Xbox party chat. And that was an amazing experience, just as simple as that was. The Forge was incredible. All the custom games we played. The campaign, like I had never played Halo 1 and Halo 2, but the way the game sort of caught you up with what had happened in previous games was really organic and didn't feel forced, which I really appreciated. And the campaign was so epic. And playing the campaign with Gino and co-op for the first time was a very special experience. But then finding out there's an extra bit of story that you get if you beat it on Legendary made us want to do that. And then we became friends with Riley and the Hub World group in general through Halo 3. And then it was the game at school that everyone was playing. Like Halo 3 was a phenomenon. And it was one of those last big games that I feel like I knew everyone was playing. And it, like I said, it was my gateway into Xbox. Because by that point, I had refused to buy an Xbox. And 
the only reason I was convinced to even play Xbox was Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, NHL 09, and then Gino wanted Halo 3. And then because Gino wanted it, I played it and I'm like, wow, this is what I've been missing. There's like a whole other library of games now that I have access to. And and if it wasn't for Halo 3 and that push, I'd never, it probably wouldn't have been the same. So just the whole community aspect of Halo 3 is something I still cherish to this day. And it's my favorite Halo game. The multiplayer Halo 3 was amazing, but a game that I think has even better multiplayer is my number seven. And it's one of my favorite multiplayer Nintendo series. And that's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. It's the greatest Mario Kart game ever made. Yes, it is. And if you think otherwise, I'm sorry, you're wrong. The roster, hopefully, by the time the booster pass is done, will be the ultimate Mario Kart roster. But even if you discount the DLC, it has an insane number of tracks. And the way that retro tracks have been reimagined in this game is mind-blowing. They can make flat tracks from the GBA and SNES Mario Kart games and just like make them basically feel brand new. Mm-hmm. And they fully realize the potential of Nintendo 64 tracks. And then I just love the whole big band music style in this game. Like all the songs sound so distinct but similar because of the way they're composed. They all have the saxophones and like the same like electric guitar. Like it just they all have the same instruments and it, it, I just really appreciate that. And then I can't say enough about the fact that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe specifically has fixed the battle mode that was a problem that I had with the original Mario Kart 8. I I don't play it as often as I should because I'm a big proponent of balloon battle in Mario Kart, but I just love the fact that the the battle tracks are actual battle tracks now. They're not segments of courses like they were in Mario Kart 8. But spoiler alert, Smash Bros is coming later, but I just love the way that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe feels like the ultimate Mario Kart game. It's getting to the point now where, where there's more DLC coming, where like they're going to have so many tracks. Like, the vast majority of Mario Kart tracks are in this game already. And it's one of the best bangs for your buck on Switch. Yeah, It's an experience that like I will go back and see what cups I didn't get gold three rank or whatever it is on. I will go play through a, a cup, attempt it. If I do it, great. If I don't, hey, I can go back to playing it again next time. Jules, we do our massive like 48 race things every now and again, or we'll do like yeah. a, a 16 cup or a 16 race cup. Like I just have so much fun doing that. Even though I'm super unlucky in Mario Kart, I just have a blast playing it every single time. And I think everyone's unlucky. <laughs> not only the best Mario Kart game, it's the best kart racing game. It's it's the best racing game, period. Yeah. Like so what's crazy is that that like like when you look at the journey of Mario Kart 8 too, like it introduced like 200 CC and like, yep. you know, like so much has changed just about Mario Kart in general since Mario Kart 8 dropped and Deluxe just like brought it to a whole new level, you know? Like, and they're even balancing the game still, like, which is, which is crazy. Like they tuned character weights and certain vehicle parts to make it, it's like a balancing patch. And I'm like, wow, like that's actually something I didn't expect them to do. And they're yeah, going to continue. Like there's, like I said, there's four more characters coming or five more characters coming, whatever it is. 
we got i think six more cups like there's there's a lot of content that's still going to be added to this game and like if that is good then it could be higher in my list at a later date like i can see this one rising in the future but anyways on to my number six one of the greatest gaming experiences i've ever had in my life it was the first game i ever played on gamecube and is the legend of zelda the wind waker I have Wind Waker HD on here because Wind Waker HD is the best version of Wind Waker. I was never a part of the whole like, oh, it's cartoony, it's bad, whatever. I just loved Zelda so much that naturally when we got a GameCube, we got Wind Waker. And it was our first game that we got. It was without question, we're getting Wind Waker. The game starts up with one of the greatest openings of all time in a video game with the tale of the hero. And my mind was blown at that point. There's not as many dungeons as I would hope, but I think all the dungeons are memorable in Wind Waker. I love just sailing on the sea, especially with the swift sail now, but that was such a relaxing thing to do. And there's nothing quite like that. Like the sky traversal and Skyward Sword never quite captured that same relaxing atmosphere and I don't think it was intended for that, but like that's the way I sort of compared it to was Wind Waker. And like the King of Red Lions, by extension, I think, is a fantastic character as well. He's so snarky. I love his attitude. And this the, the whole game in general has that sort of comedic edge. Like the fish has that, the the NPCs in Windfall Island. Like a lot of the characters in that game are kind of dicks to Link. And I really, really like that. Like, it felt like a cartoon, right? Like, it, and and that's why the art style worked so perfectly. Is just like, and like the the whole like gameplay sort of fluidity of the co- sword combat was a real natural evolution of Ocarina of Time. The the music was incredible. Just like this, this Wind Waker could be argued to be one of my favorite games of all time. Like, I've had it as high as number. one who honestly in in years past like when we've done this sort of just through talking and not actually like done a a podcast or whatever but like wind waker has been as high as number two on my list so my number five is super smash brothers ultimate my favorite multiplayer game of all time probably the most hyped game of all time as well i got everything i wanted in this game the last character i really wanted in smash bros before ultimate was diddy kong in brawl and in one game, I got King K. Rule, got Ridley, and I got Banjo. And Banjo being added to this game, that may have been the most special announcement I've ever gotten in a video game. That meant so much to me. And us being all together for that moment was magical. And the world of light in Ultimate, I was really critical of when it was shown. But by playing it, like that also, I think, is a really innovative thing that Sakurai added into the game. And just like, there's a lot of small things outside of what you expect there to be in, in a Smash Bros game. Like I personally really liked picking the stage before the character this time around. I like having the ability to play any song, whatever you want. I liked having, and I honestly use this too. I used my Switch as an MP3 player to listen to music. Sakurai said you could do it as a joke, but I legit did that. <laughs> Either, oh my either, god yeah i did that you, you bought the super long extended like headphones cable so you could leave the switch docked too i would put my switch in my backpack or in my pocket 
and just put the headphones in it and listen to music. There's there's so many cool things that are in Ultimate. Like the spirits, I got every single spirit in that game. I got every single song. I did I did everything in that game that I possibly could do. And I ne- have never done that in a Smash Bros. game prior to Ultimate. I feel kind of sad that it's over because I don't think future Smash Bros. games are going to hit this high. Maybe no, no other game will hit this high ever again in terms of anticipation and hype because the DLC characters and the DLC hype started literally the day the game came out. And who knows what Smash Bros. will look like after Ultimate. The name says it all. It is the ultimate Smash Bros. game. It's the ultimate multiplayer game. It's the ultimate love letter to Nintendo fans. It's the ultimate video game, I think, in terms of bang for your buck content, like everything there. Smash Bros. Ultimate has it all. Now, that being said, that was the last multiplayer game on my list. And now I'm going into my top four favorite single player games of all time. Now, this one, I had it lower on my list in previous drafts that I did. But I thought to myself, really, like, this has to be in the top four. And I justified it, leaving it at four. This game, I came to very, very, very late, relatively speaking. Like, I think this game came out in 1994. I wasn't alive in 1994, so I couldn't have played it. But And I didn't own a Super Nintendo. But I played this game in 2013 when it was added to the Wii U Virtual Console. And that is Super Metroid. That was the first time you played it, Wii U? Yep. Oh, wow. I had dabbled with Metroid Prime at the time. I hadn't beaten it at that point yet because we would rent Metroid Prime and Metroid Prime 3 for whatever reason. We never rented Metroid Prime 2 at Blockbuster before. (laughs) Super Metroid was my first real Metroid game that I beat. Like it, it, It was also the first Metroidvania game I had ever played. And Super Metroid is regarded as one of the, if not the first Metroidvania games, like in terms of what you think of them as today. And I just love the the, the setting, the tone, the sort of feeling of isolation that that game has. And the music and sound design really are the, the keys in that, in my opinion. I just love the the countdown sequence. Like the game has it all. Like you fight Ridley right at the beginning of the game and the countdown happens right after. And then after that point, you're like, okay, now I have to explore this labyrinth. There's so many different ways you can, you can tackle that game. Like I've, I think my fastest playthrough of it now to this date is like four hours. And I know that's slow. I've seen people beat the game in no time, but I still think it might not be my favorite 2D Metroid game anymore because I I really like Zero Mission and I really love Metroid Dread, but but it definitely is deserving to be on this list because of how impactful that game was to me. Because now I play I've played the Ori games, I've played Steamroll Dig Two, I play so many different Metroidvania type games now that like if I didn't play this, I wouldn't have had that gateway. Like, I, I now have, like, so many other ones I want to play, too. Like, if I'm going to go play Symphony of the Night and the Game Boy Advance uh, Castlevania games, like, I have so many Metroidvania games that are on my backlog now that I don't think I would have had the urge to play if I didn't play Super Metroid. For that alone, I have to have it this high on my favorite games list. Now for my top three. And... Variations of this top three have been set in stone. 
for a very, 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 very long time. And prior to 2017, my top three has been set in stone since probably 2002, 2003. So I never expected my opinion of Mario 64 to drop as much as it did in 2017. And then especially when the Mario All-Stars collection came out on Switch. But the game that naturally took its place is the game that trumped Mario 64 as the greatest Mario game ever made, in my opinion. And that game is Super Mario Odyssey. Super Mario Odyssey, I think, is the greatest 3D platformer ever made. Arguably the greatest platformer, period. The sandbox world is so fantastic in Mario Odyssey. Like, I love each and every level that's in that game. And I love how the difficulty sort of ramps up at the end of the game, especially in the final challenge. And then I also just love how you can get as many moons as you want. You can get every single one, or you can just get the bare minimum. They're so easy to get. Every 10 seconds, you can find a moon. Like, they're scattered everywhere. There's always something to do in this game. I love the fact that you can, like, finally change Mario's outfit without affecting the gameplay. Like, you can give him whatever hat and whatever costume you want. Yep, that was so cool. And there were so many cool Easter eggs as costumes, like Builder Mario. You could have the NES Golf Mario. Spoilers, the greatest one is the Mario 64 Mario that you get at the end of the game. And and once you unlock that, it's the only one you're allowed to use without being accused of being just a moron. (laughs) But like, just the, the fluidity of the gameplay, just the way Mario moves in that game is second to none. Like, it's... It's that good. And then as well as the capture mechanic is so brilliant. Like instead of giving Mario all these different power-ups, you give him the ability to capture enemies. And that is the power-up. There's like over 50, I think, in the game. And they're as crazy as a T-Rex or as, or as simple as a street cone. Like there's there's so many <laughs> cool, innovative things that Nintendo thought of that to me is it makes Mario Odyssey the greatest Mario game of all time. Like New Donk City, I think is the greatest sandbox level in any video game that I've played. There's so much variety there and there's so many cool Easter eggs to the Donkey Kong series and just Mario being a guy from Brooklyn, right? Like that's the closest thing we've ever gotten to like Mario's sort of roots. And then the, the moment where you do the New Donk City Hall mission where they celebrate the festival or whatever. It brought tears of joy to my eyes that not very many games have ever gotten me to that point. That was a very special moment. I felt nostalgia for things that, like, for, like, Donkey Kong, like the arcade Donkey Kong. And I don't really care for that game, but somehow I felt nostalgic for that. It was so cool. And they brought Pauline back. And now Pauline is, like, this mainstay Mario character now. And I love her. She's so good. I've played this game three times. I really want to go back, but being an adult, it's hard to go back and play all these games I want to play. But Mario Odyssey is one of those ones I've especially wanted to go back in the last two years. And like this year with the Mario movie coming out and like we're going to be going to Super Nintendo World later this year. I'm going to go through Mario Fever again, and I think this will be the year I go back to playing Mario Odyssey. It's just that good. If you haven't played it, I think you're you're doing a disservice to yourself. Like, Mario is Nintendo's mascot and icon, 
for a reason and this game is that reason like it just brought mario to the next level for me the two games i i have on here like i said have been cemented on my list since the early 2000s and number two is one of the greatest games of all time i'm gonna i'm saying this a lot the greatest games of all time but they're true they are the greatest game these games are amazing the legend of zelda ocarina of time like, I don't want to throw shade at, like, NES and SNES, like, platformers, things like that. Because, like, that was the game that I had mostly played. But it taught me games can have a story and can have this grand scale. Like, I felt like I was watching a TV show when I played this game. I never had that experience playing games at my cousin's house on the NES or, or SNES. Like, this was one of a few N64 games that Gino and I owned during the N64 era. and like, I just remember, like, I was very young in 1998, but, like, I could still kind of remember how, like, th- this game was a big deal. Like, reading Nintendo Powers, like, everyone was talking about this game. My cousin, my dad, my uncle, like, people were talking. Like, the N64 was a jump in gaming, but Ocarina of Time was a jump for games, specifically. So, when I became old enough to play it myself, I was able to take that in. And I, I don't think... Playing it later than everyone else didn't affect my view of the game at all. Like, I I still thought like, holy crap! Like, when the moment Link pulls this Master Sword out of the the pedestal in the Temple of Time, is one of those like goosebump moments that I have when I play games. Like that to me is like it's 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 surreal. Like it's magical. Like a a child becoming an adult, and it's the next step in the adventure and that was only like a third of the way through the game that happens. Like, I'm like, now I have six, seven more dungeons to go. Like, holy smokes, like running through Hyrule field, doing deeds here and there, side quests, getting all the Skulltulas, being able to change Link's tunics, swords and shields and boots at any point in the game blew my mind as a kid. I'm like, I like customizing Link to look like this. And I don't care about the gameplay repercussions of holding the big Goron sword and you can't being you can't shield. Like I don't care about that. Like to me just Ocarina of Time was just this grand adventure. This might be an unpopular opinion. I don't think Zelda has topped Ocarina of Time in terms of its story or its sense of adventure. And I know like I said that might be an unpopular opinion, but to me like it's a it's a timeless classic story and it doesn't need to be more than that because zelda now is starting to change from the ocarina of time format and that's a good thing i i really i'm happy that the series is evolving but if this is the way they continue i'm gonna miss the way zelda used to be and to me ocarina of time was just one of those games it is fired on all cylinders like the music is timeless level design is timeless the items are iconic. The locations are iconic. Just there aren't enough w- words in my vocabulary to explain how much I love this game. But it's still only my number two. And these are my favorite games, obviously, right? But yeah. if I were to do greatest games of all time list, my top three would remain the same. It would be Odyssey at three, Ocarina at time at two, and then Banjo Kazooie at number one. Spoiler alert. I know people were saying, where's Undertale? Where's Majora's Mask? No, Banjo-Kazooie is my number one favorite game of all time. That was sarcasm right there. Nothing could beat Banjo-Kazooie for me. No game ever made in the future can beat Banjo-Kazooie for me as my favorite game of all time. 
banjo kazooie is part of my dna it's part of my identity it's it's one of the first games i ever remember playing i remember the day i got that game back in june of 1998 at electronics boutique at the time gino my dad and i went to the mall bought the game came home and played it and it blew my mind i knew in 1998 as a child a small child that that game was better than mario 64 I'm throwing a lot of shade at Mario 64. It was it's an amazing game still, but Mario 64 raised the bar for platformers. But a few years later, Banjo Kazooie raised the bar again. And like I said, Mario Odyssey might be my favorite three platformer of all time from a gameplay perspective. But Banjo Kazooie is more than just its gameplay. It's the comedic writing. It's the music. It's the level design. It's the entire package of that game. I'm a broken record here with how much I talk about Banjo-Kazooie, but like it's more than just the game. Also, like there's a very small vocal group of people that are clinging on to this game. We all know how great this game is and how great this series is, but I feel like no one sort of listens to us. And I'm fine with that, honestly. Like I don't need another game. I say it at the end of every podcast, Microsoft make a new Banjo game, but like I'm fine just playing this one game over and over again. I've played Banjo-Kazooie to completion at least a dozen times. Specifically, like the Xbox 360 version of it is the best version of it. Uh, You can also play it on Rare Replay and what have you. But everything about this game is just the whimsy of it all. Like, it's Rare's best game that they ever made. It's the best game on Nintendo 64. Whatever Banjo-Kazooie could be called the best it's the best so it's always been my number one on my list it transported me into this amazing fantasy world that i i want to go back to someday but if that doesn't happen hey so be it i got i got banjo kazooie and i got banjo kazooie nuts and bolts i don't need anything else so (laughs) that is my list I'm actually laughing so hard that the microphone isn't picking up my audio because it thinks it's I know I can hear you in the I can hear you in the other room laughing your brains out. Oh, that was great. <laughs> yep, that was a deep belly laugh. But yeah, like I noticed my my list only three of my games are not Nintendo games, but Banjo Kazooie is a Nintendo game. So I really, it's realistically eight of my ten games are Nintendo games. So that kind of just goes to show where my gaming preferences lie three of the games technically multiplayer games so like i'm more of a single player gamer like i said this list it took me a long time to whittle it down to 10 with three honorable mentions but like i had i think it was like 35 at games at one point like so many games on my list but the majority of them were still single player and a lot of them were nintendo games but yet I spend most of my time playing games on Xbox, but yep. for whatever reason, the Nintendo games really stick with me. Like, and I'm starting to dabble in PlayStation, right? I had PlayStation games on my 30 game list, but none of them were made it on to the final one, obviously. So, but this took a lot more time to make than I originally had, had thought. There's just, there's too many good games. Honestly, this was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be too. And Mateo, the list is also very you. I mean, like, well, how many podcasts have we done so far? This is what, like 77 episodes? If you didn't think Banjo Kazooie was number one, like, duh. Where you been? Hey, they could be brand new. This could be <laughs> this could be someone's first episode. This could 
every episode of someone. They could have thought it would be Banjo Tooie. And they would be wrong. Banjo Tooie is still a good game, Mateo. It but... is a very good game. It's no nuts and bolts, but it's a very good game. <laughs> I mean, it literally isn't nuts and bolts. We'll go with that. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of today's quest. If you liked what you heard today, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button. If you want to contribute to the conversation, let us know your top 10 favorite games down below. Um, and if you have an idea for what we should do for our next podcast, please feel free to share. We'll see you next time at the Hub World. Mateo, want to remind them what your number one game is and what your number one game might be if uh, somebody does a certain thing? Yep. Microsoft, make a new banjo game. See everybody. See ya.